Welcome to the Audit 15 Fund Podcast. My goal with this podcast is to bring relevant internal audit topics to the table every 15 days. Today, we're going to be talking about the future of internal audit. And to talk about that topic, I have as my guest, Dr. Reiner Lenz. Dr. Reiner is a seasoned financial and audit executive with 30 years of experience in global organizations. He had CFO type of roles in the first part of his professional career. Since 2007, Reiner has been working as a chief audit executive. He has a PhD in economics and management science from the Louvain School of Management in Belgium. Welcome, Dr. Reiner. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thank you, John, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, so recently you wrote an article called The Future of Internal Audit, Gardener of Governance, which is a very thought-provoking article. Uh, It made me question so many things about internal audit. And one of the questions that came to my mind as I was reading the article, and it's actually one of the things that's actually referenced in the article, is um, regarding people not understanding what internal audit does. Uh, that is so common. Even when I started, I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll be frank. When I when I got into internal audit, I didn't really understand what it was all about. I fell in love with it. Uh, but one of the things that you mentioned in your article, uh, there's a survey that the IA in Austria did with over 300 uh, people who participated in the in the survey, and 26% of the respondents said that they don't understand the value of internal audit. So my question to you is. What can we internal auditors do to ensure that we show our value in the organizations that we are part of? Well, thanks, John. That's a, that's a heavy question to start with. Let me first say that uh, this article was co-authored. So my co-author was Professor Kim uh, Karkov Jeppesen from Copenhagen Business School. So when you reference the article, well, I'm grateful for. Please don't forget my co-author. Talking value. This is a very fundamental question, John. And um, I think the, the dilemma and the challenge and the beauty of internal audit is that it's somewhat enigmatic and hazy. So it's more like an art than science, which can be very powerful, but also, of course, comes with a few challenges. Now, and you're falling in love with, sort of, you know, was my ambition to... Uh, a PhD 10 years ago about this because I also was puzzled by this. What is the value of internal auditing? How does good look like? How does effective look like? And on that journey, I learned that um, what you have in practice is very heterogeneous. Um, it's a very, you have a huge spread in practice. You have some internal audit functions, they might play Champions League. Some don't find the pitch to say so, you know, so... <laughs> Um, and uh, now this this survey from the IIA Australia, I found it uh, worthwhile mentioning because it's a good example that one chapter tries to promote what the profession is about, tries to educate board members, senior executives, and the public about uh, what internal audit can contribute to strengthen governance, risk management, controls, and strengthen an overall business. So. Um, and one quarter said um, they have no clue about what this is. Now, the other three quarters are equally dangerous because they say they know what it is, but they might uh, have different views on what that value is about. Now, 
That's true. So it's a difficult question because, so of course, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, as, as the English say, I think. And uh, now, sometimes management has no idea whatsoever. So what does that yardstick then mean? You know, difficult. So some, some see value where there is no value, and some do not see value where there is value. Now, the whole thing isn't desperate. And let me share with you my two cents, what I found in my PhD back then, which is in a way the basis of my subsequent publications. Because at that time, I tested this relational coordination theory from Professor Gittel from Boston University. And I tested that in the context of internal auditing. And what does that theory say? I think it's, I think it's helpful. It helped me at least over the last 10 years or so in my practice. Let me, let me add one more thing. I speak on the basis of my experience as head of internal audit. So I'm a practitioner, uh, but I worked uh, all my career in the industry. I'm a banker, by, I'm a trained banker, but I'm, I don't work in, in the banks or financial sector. So I work in the industry, always with a global footprint and in small audit functions. That's a bit my, my background. Now, that theory, I find it very, very helpful because it suggests, um, well, three things basically, plus a communication protocol. And this can help every internal auditor to render value, to heighten his or her impact in the, in the given organization. And she talks about, first of all, shared goals. May sound very trivial, but make sure that what you try to achieve fits with the goals of the organization you are trying to serve. So having shared goals versus functional goals. So it's called internal audit. So you render value for internal purposes. Don't do it for the IAA. Don't do it for the sake of being compliant with the standards. You serve an organization. You know It has to serve internal purposes. So one thing is shared goals. And I find that very helpful. Now, one avenue to achieve this is via the charter, for instance. So make an effort to, to um, have an agreed charter, you know, make it thoughtful. This is the basis on which you operate as an internal auditor. Now, the second feature she uh, came up with, and she, by the way, she tested this uh, when she compared American Airlines with Southwest Airlines at the time. And she found that uh, Southwest Airlines was a, a winning business model at the time. No idea how things look today. And um, American Airlines was not going so well. And I applied that theory in my PhD from 2013 uh, on the world of internal auditing. And the second, second element uh, besides shared goals is shared knowledge. So versus uh, exclusive knowledge. So the thing is, you know, we have a dilemma as internal auditors. We are not part of any discussions, not part of any meeting. We should have an opinion about many things, but we are not, we're not uh, involved to say so. So we have to be quick, we have to be fast, we have to be smart to make ourselves understood what's actually going on without being involved. So we're not on the pitch, we're not play, players on the pitch, we are in a way sidelined per se. And the, and the challenge of course is to become part of the whole show, to, to know what's going on. That's why I, I talk a bit in maybe in a funny language about swimming in the organization, but this, this all hangs together because the, the, once you know what's going on, once you have shared knowledge, 
it's so much easier for you to contribute. It's so much easier for you to add value because you know what senior management is thinking, what's on their on their mind, what does what concerns them. So shared goals, shared knowledge, and the third thing is mutual respect. It's very important that you um, achieve a level, you know, that you are perceived as a, as a player, that you are perceived as a counterpart, as a business partner, not just well, someone down the ranks, you know, who checks petty cash or something. So you have to, you know, be able to get to that place where respect is displayed. Maybe you have to earn this or, uh, so if, 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 the, if the function is disrespected, and then of course you miss an important element. So I, I like those elements, shared goals, shared knowledge, and uh, mutual respect to, as, as, as things to aspire, things to, things to enjoy, things to, uh, features to, to nourish, to nurture, to, to strengthen. This is, um, now, and um, she, she added, um, the notion of communication to this, because the things I mentioned before, shared goals, shared knowledge, and which respect you, you can't see, but communication, you can a bit measure. So that the time you spend with management, the share of mind you have. And she suggested, uh, again, three features of the supposedly more effective internal audit function. And they are frequent communication with senior management, in contrast to infrequent, obviously. So if you have to you have to have a dialogue, you know, not once a year with them only or once a quarter, have a dialogue with them. Swim in the organization, you know, be part of it, you know, know what's going on, you know, be having a chat here and there. So know what's going on. Frequent communication. Timely communication is the next element of, of, her, of her model. So you have to be, of course, around um, if there's significant change, if the company considers a bold move, if there's something happening in the business, you know, margins erode or you want to acquire something or you want to launch a new product or you go on a, an important IT project. So you have, to, you have to know what's going on in the house to understand the full picture. And um, thirdly, you should display problem-solving-minded communication. So not um, finger-pointing, be a helper, be someone um, management and, and colleagues like to go to because they get something they don't get anywhere else. So those elements um, help me in, in my thinking, how do I go, go about uh, internal audit function? And I'm now in my third role, I have now 15 years under my belt in internal auditing in three different companies. That's my last, my last post, I believe. Um, and this has helped me a bit to, um, you know, find the right tone to, um, to uh, focus on this communicative element and to network. And in a way, in a way, auditing happens outside the auditing schedule. It's not very smart, John, if you go to right. someone <laughs> the very first time, if you need something. So, you know, so once you have a relationship with people, so once you have this, let's say, heart-to-heart -heart connection with someone, I mean, you don't fall in love with them, of course, but you have a relation, a relation with them. It's so much easier to have a straight conversation. Imagine your yeah. friends, when you talk to a friend about something, 
or something yeah. important. The flow of communication is so much smoother, so much, so much richer, so much deeper. When you come to the first time, here I am as the auditor, and I have a question for you. Well, they might give you a very hard time before you get anywhere close to the core of the issue, the snack of the issue. So in short, my answer is value is, is the proof of the pudding. That's indeed the, 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 the hot issue, value, effectiveness, all of that. And I find um, GitHub's theory as very, very practical. Uh, this practical, and there's nothing more practical than a good theory. So her elements, shared goals, shared knowledge, mutual respect, you know, um, frequent, timely communication, and problem-solving minded are very, very helpful features. And that's why, and I'm gonna maybe stop with my little little presentation here. It's, I, I don't have any gotcha type of auditors, John. I don't, I don't hire people who um, get carried away yeah. with finding errors in other people's performance, you know. Yes, this is not that's... the type of auditor I, I can I can work with. It's all about um, what do you know about someone else's role? You, you have never yes. walked in, in his or her shoes, so you have to first see what they do, understand the circumstances before you open your mouth. And that's maybe my last piece. We have two ears, John, and one mouth. So the good advice right. is to listen uh, twice as much as we speak. Yeah, I mean, you touched on so many points there. You know, first point, having shared goals, which uh, I just had a conversation with Ann Butera, and she, she brought that up too, like making sure that our objectives are aligned with the business objective. So love that piece. Really, uh, I do agree with that too. And the problem solving too, which we'll get to this next question, which is kind of something that I, I spoke with Norman Marks about, uh, instead of looking back, uh, rear view auditing, rear view mirror auditing, you know, forward looking audit, right? So you, there, there's a section in your in your article that talks about, you know, we're good with the what is explaining what what a process is. We're good with the so what, which is the impact, analyzing what what's the impact of the business. But maybe we're not so good with the what if, like coming up with like you know, solutions and uh, alternatives, right? So maybe it's not so much a question, but could you elaborate more on that uh, uh, from your article and what can internal auditors do to become better at problem solving? Nice that you like this little, little sequence there of what is, so what, and what if. Um, of course, I, I value Norman Marx's work enormously. I mean, I, 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 he has been a, a huge inspiration from day one. I mean, uh, when I entered the profession back in 2007, he has already been a, a senior player. And so, I'm, I'm, of course, I was you know, with this aspiration of forward looking and a bit careful because uh, I, don't know, I don't know the weather forecast for tomorrow. You know, maybe it's going to rain or it's going to sun. So it's, it's a bit, but it's, it's, it's right uh, as an ambition to look forward. As, as he put it, uh, look where, where um, you know, where in ice hockey, where, where the, um, what the board, what do you call this, 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 the, the puck, where the puck is going to. That's of course a wise advice. Now, right. this, 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 the, those three terms, I came up with them last year. Uh, in the context of the European Audit Championship, was uh, together with a German peer, we organized uh, something which I found interesting at the time: um, you know, game, gamification-based training programs for internal audit 
practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a, a good fun project. And um, now I'm out of this, I'm no longer involved, but I enjoyed it. And I was wondering, what can gamification add to the table? And uh, I came up with this what if part where this can add value. Let me, let me start differently. I think traditionally, internal auditors have been good at dealing with complicatedness to sort sort difficult stuff, you know, and um, make it make transparent what happened in a way, you know. And this per se has a value because to, to see what we do and to recognize what we see is a fundamental part of internal auditing. And this is this is valuable per se and it will be valuable uh, go, going forward. So making transparent what actually happens is, is a good feature, of course. Maybe we should uh, leverage technology going forward because sometimes technology helps us uh, to see much more than we can see ourselves. So instead of um, sample testing a handful of cases, you might leverage, for instance, process mining or other technology to see to see more and, and then let the data speak to say so to enable learning and change now. So what is remains remains important now. But of course, whatever you know, the question is, how do you influence practice? So, so what? So what do you differently next Monday morning, basically? You want to be impactful. So with all the knowledge you have, you have to you know, make in your report, find a way to, to improve practice. That's why the so what question is, is fundamental um, to, to add value um, in, in what the organization is trying to achieve. But of course, the world is now characterized by people say VUCA, you know, volatile, um, you know, unexpected, complex, and ambiguous. So the world is, is, is moving fast, maybe faster than maybe many, many years ago. And that's why people talk about interactive complexity now. So no longer only com- complicatedness. This is more maybe a term for static environment, but interactive complexity. And there was a nice article from Arno Nuiten. He's a professor in um, in Netherlands, I think, um, Rotterdam University. He wrote an article back in 2015 about that topic, and I liked that a lot. So he talks about that, that, those terms. And um, what, what if is about helping decision-making, thinking in, in scenarios. Um, so, and, uh, of course, it would be good for internal auditors to be a place where people come to to get an honest appraisal of, of, of topics, you know, helping management to, to analyze the situation and analyze, you know, possible actions, how to deal with this. So, um, um, and that, that's, that's what this what if is about to, you know, not looking at, at stuff after the event, but being part of a discussion process before action is taken, before decisions are taken. That's what I mean with, with in a way, forward-looking. Yep. And uh, so be, provide valuable, constructive advice, you know, at the right moment, you know. It, it's easy for any educated person to, you know, see something which went bitterly wrong after the event, but maybe being part of a discussion process and helping to, to shed light on the various avenues you could choose from here is, is I think, beneficial. And that's where internal audit can add value because it's a privileged position in a way, because you, you see the whole organization. Um, top management does, of course, too. 
finance does in a way also, but you, you, you can travel to places, at least you used to be able to travel to places right. and you can look, look between the silos in a way and you can see things others cannot. So um, that, that's what I mean with this forward-looking element, uh, being part of a decision-making process. Now, does that conflict with the, the claim of being um, independent? Possibly, no. Uh, no, I'm, I would still, I'm, I'm a pragmatic internal auditor. When I can help a business to, to prosper, to, 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 I would always do that, you know. I, 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 of course, it has a value, independence, also objectivity, but, but let's be honest. I mean, who is independent? I mean, this, the company pays my bill and I'm not objective. I mean, I, I'm subjective. I can try to be, of course, fact-based, but um, I look at the world with my pair of eyes, John, and my, and my view is, is impaired by my genesis, by my upbringing, by my education, by my, you know, by lots of things. So let's don't be naive and, uh, you know, be, be, get carried away by an ambition to be objective or independent. Let's add value when it matters and uh, contribute to an, an important discussion with, with your perspective. Who owns the truth? I guess no one owns the truth, you know, but if a number of, you know, educated minds come together, you have a good chance to um, color the picture in a way that you can see what's, what's going on, you know. But, you, but prepare to be wrong all the time. That's part of life. Uh, life ed educates you that. You, you can never be sure you got it right, uh, you know, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And I know that there are some people who will disagree. I, I know a few that think that audit should be objective and independent, and that's the value that we add. I'm, I, and I'm actually personally, I'm more on... I lean towards the side of, yeah, we're, we're not going to be all the time objective and independent because, you know, as an internal auditor, the company's paying my bills, but yeah, that's a, that, that's a different topic. Uh, but anyways, uh, regarding like, you know, being at the, having a seat at the table at the right time and being part of that decision-making process, right. A lot can be said that, you know, people think that for the most, some people think I will not generalize, uh, that internal audit maybe only brings like surface level information. Like we don't dig deep into stuff and, you know, what's the value that you can add. So going back to your article, another kind of analogy that you use, you know, there are three different types of auditors, the ones that are type one standing on the sidelines type two, you're swimming in a calm pool or type three, you're surfing in the wild ocean. So my question to you is for us, to get the seat at the table and for us to be part of the decision-making process, we have to be type three auditors, right? So for people who are in the field, who are either starting or who want to, you know, take the, their career to the next level, what, um, what recommendations would you have for someone to be a type three auditor? Well, thank you for that question. Um, so you, you, I, I like metaphors, as you see. Maybe some don't think or talk in pictures. I, I like talking in pictures because that's something I can I can um, remember myself. Let me first say something about objectivity, if I, if I, if I may, John. I mean, 
And this has to do, of course, with this type, type, typology. There are, of course, trivial audit mandates. Some are trivial. Once you are in a, once you look at familiar topics of uh, little complexity, you know, there you can apply objectivity. You know? But this is something for the type one category. Or I mean, but if you think about a business, and I've always worked in the industry, as I said, in the global business, not so big. I mean, one to two billion euros, whatever, three, four to ten thousand people. The, the real questions where it matters have typically 50 or more shades of gray. In those cases, there is no single truth. In those cases, um, you have to maneuver in an arena of uncertainty and you have to make your best guess forward. So you, when you talk about complex matters in, on, in unfamiliar territory, that's where you add value. You know, in, in, and that's where objectivity becomes very difficult and independence very difficult because there is no single truth. You know, there's, um, you find out maybe in hindsight, possibly, but uh, that's why maybe the confusion goes a bit, the discussion goes a bit stray. Uh, so that's how I thought of myself, you know, in a simple question, you know, familiar topics, little complexity, low complexity. Okay, one on one, that's up to two. That's objective. That's 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 given, you know. But but the, the real issues are, are much more complex. That's why I talk about both the managing zone and the pioneering zone. If you look at my and uh, the real stuff, the real tricky issues are ha happening in the pioneering zone. So when you when you have higher ambitions and when you have more um, complex topics of of unfamiliar nature, think of launching a new product in a new market. Think of buying a company of uh, possibly of, with a different, different business uh, or even in the same area. Um, th those are complex affairs. Think of integrating post-merger integration of a company. Think of launching a, an ERP system. Th those are demanding issues. Can we add value on those journeys? That's what I mean with um, with complex and, and not so familiar issues. Now, let's go back to this typology. I mean, I learned about this throughout my PhD studies because uh, I was interviewing heads of internal audit and uh, C-level executives. And one of the CEOs used that picture. So he was talking to me about that and I picked it up, of course, and in my PhD, it's referenced. And he was talking, making the difference. He said he used to have um, auditors, some, not, not so good ones, had lunch on their own, you know, and uh, the better ones, they were swimming in the organization to say so, but they were well networked, you know, they were respected and they knew what's going on. So I picked it up and you know, I made it three because three is a good number, I think. And um, <laughs> Easy to remember. Yeah, and to start with this type one, I mean, what I mean, type one is in a way, the type who is, who, who looks at himself, at herself, as internal auditor, I'm somewhat different. I'm standing at the sideline. I have to objectively, independently judge what's going on. So if you think of a, of a swimmer, you know, maybe you have never been a swimmer yourself. I mean, you, you can't swim yourself, but you look at someone else swimming and you give him good advice how you could become a better swimmer. But you actually, 
you actually transform yourself, you know, possibly. Maybe you are a perfect swimmer. This is the this is the, the type one, so totally useless, an empty suit, a waste of space, a waste of time. And those types also exist out there. And they call themselves internal auditors. So they are marginalized, they're they're negligible. They only look backwards, of course, but they, they fail completely to influence other leaders. They just, they exist in a way, but they don't add value. Now, and this is also part of our role sometimes. Sometimes also we don't know what's going on. We are, are, are sidelined. So any auditor, I think, has all three types, you know, as part of his job description, you know. Right. But of right. course, it's, it's, it's good to aspire for type three or at least type two to so aspire high. Don't be satisfied with uh, with the marginalized role, but it's 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 intrinsic in the role, John. You're not a player on the pitch, you know. You are internal audit, so you have to overcome that hurdle to be to know what's going on without being in the top top team, without being on on the pitch. You know, you have to be, uh, you know, make yourself knowledgeable without play being part of the meetings. You know, so but the type one is is that person who is. I would say sidelined, standing at the sideline, as I call it, not really playing a role, does stuff, but uh, not really knowing what's going on. He's not dealing, he's not dealing with, with complex stuff or unfamiliar territory. He might, he or she always might audit what, what he or she can do. It's often supply-led, you know, I mean, I'm a CPA. I know financial statements, so I audit financial statements. It's supply-driven. It's supply-led, supply not demand-driven. That's that's the kind of person I'm, I'm talking about, you know. So, and that's fair enough to start with, but I would suggest to aspire higher. Now, the next one, as I call it, swimming in a calm pool, is someone who has made the next step, who has realized, okay, I'm an internal auditor. That's that's a role I have, but I'm part of an organization. I'm not not a different on a different planet, and I'm part of the same the same uh, same um, company, same organization. And how can I add value in the role I'm having? And the role is very special. It's a different role. It's an it's a, it's a very unknown. That person might be slavishly compliant with the standards. So it's good to apply the standards. They're very helpful. But this is what I call a normative force. You have also coercive force and mimetic force, but this normative force is actually quite weak. Because if 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 the guidance was was strong, you wouldn't talk about enigmatic, hazy value proposition of internal audit. We would all know exactly what this is about. So it's the, the normative guidance by the standards is, is pretty weak, you know. And think about it. Uh, if you don't comply, there are no sanctions. If you don't uh, perform according to 13 and 12, an external assessment every five years, well, there's no sanction. Anybody can be an internal auditor. You don't have to be qualified for anything. I mean, it's 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 a bit loose. It's a bit. It's not very, very, um, very strong. And so that that person is impactful. Type two. And again, we we all have all three elements of 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 the types, but rather in the managing zone, I would say. So rather a person operating with a not so complex stuff, familiar territory. And in my topology, type three is the one who is really involved in the pioneering zone, you know, where you have the complex issues. 
we have the unfamiliar subject matters. Where it's getting 50 shades of gray, where it's getting difficult. And uh, to help management to maneuver in, in, in those circumstances is something where type three auditors um, are adding value. And uh, to do that, I think you have to display strong you know, interpersonal skills, be respected as someone at the table, be, be a, a voice and can be a special voice, a separate voice, adding, adding a color, adding, a, adding an element others cannot add. So that's how I talk about um, surfing in the wild ocean. I mean, some don't like the picture. Maybe it's a bit a poetic language and uh, I don't care if someone doesn't like it, but that's, that's my way of talking about um, internal auditing with these three types. And uh, it's, it's just an invitation for everybody to think about his or her own role. And again, um, to close my little, um, little speech here, it, it's a difficult role in internal audit. It's very difficult because we, you are per se, you are per se marginalized. You are per se sidelined. And um, now maybe it has to do with my, my genesis, John. I, I wasn't born in internal audit, and I hope I won't die in internal audit. <laughs> I, I used to used to work in finance before in other roles, also as MD for a while. Um, I didn't like that element of it, of being marginalized. I used to be part of, um, of, uh, of a management team. I used to know what's going on, and it hurt at the beginning. So it was painful to start with, and I was fighting and trying to find my way to overcome, to be in a way at the end of the food chain, in a way, and to work my way up again to be a respected player, a respected team member as internal auditor. It's a different role, but it doesn't, it doesn't exclude you from being part of the team. You have your opinion, you have your different, maybe a different, a different point of view, fair enough, but you are still internal, the name says it, you are an internal resource to help the organization make better. So, Hope you like the type one, type two, type three stuff. It's just an idea, just um, some food for thought and it, it doesn't resonate with everybody. Yeah, no, I, I do like it. I do like it personally. And I actually, when you're you know, giving the, the example there of type three, someone who knows how to swim, right? And that's the one giving recommendations and that person knows how to swim. Actually, someone came to mind. I, you know, I've worked with many different internal auditors, probably the if you think of like who are the best internal auditors, there's someone who I worked with that used to be a director of operations yeah. prior to being in internal audit. And that was, you know, just phenomenal experience uh, to have uh, for operational type audits. So, but okay. Next question then is obviously not everybody on the team can be a former director of operations. Okay. So in your mind, and talking about the future of internal audit, because that, that ties back to the article and that, you know, we'll, we'll finish this up with this question here. Uh, how does an ideal internal audit team or department looks like to you, knowing that not everyone can be, you know, a former director from operations, for example? Well, that's, that's a good question. I mean, of course, uh, I'm thinking of, of the, the small internal audit functions I have been having. If you are just on your own, you know, it's very difficult to be ideal. You know, if you have a team of two or three or up to five people, it's also very difficult. But what I, a few, a few things I think um, I would look for, you know, and uh, 
I think uh, to start with, Warren Buffett was the one who said that, I think, you know, and he said things like um, in intelligence as a feature. So, of course, uh, that helps, it always helps. Um, energy, you know, it also helps, I would say. And integrity. So, those three things I think Warren Buffett came up with are certainly, uh, certainly good advice. Um, a certain degree of curiosity is, is, is something which I think helps too. So don't have this know-it-all gene, you know. Yes. Rather be, <laughs> be curious, be, be a learner, you know, be someone who wants to get to the bottom of things, who wants to understand things, who wants to, you know, um, look at things from different perspectives. Someone, uh, I mean, who um, understood that... Um, that the, re the really important things in life are seldom either black or white. You know, it's a, a human being is a, is a complex creature, you know. So uh, uh, having some notion, having the ability to see those um, 50 shades of gray, to, to be a, a sensitive person, I think that, that helps. So sensitive, intelligent, having energy, uh, to, you know, and... Um, integrity and um, maybe the most important thing after all is to be someone as a relationship builder someone people like to to, to talk to so uh, um, so and um, to be able to build relations with all layers of the organization um, top floor anyone in the house be someone people like to not hang around with, but to be spend time with, you know, and uh, be be have an in, in inviting personality, you know, not not someone who comes with a dark suit and uh, whatever a blue tie, possibly in the old days the the, the big four standard uh, standard uh, dress code, and I've seen that, you know, and then you visit visit a, a plant somewhere in in this case in in. In Asia, you know, where it's 40 degrees plus and you sweat your dark suit and you make a fool of yourself, that's not the kind of person I have in mind, you know. So also with your dress code, you, you can create distance. You can signal, oh, I'm something better. I'm something right. more yeah. important. I'm so the true. internal auditor. That's, that's, I would say, that's plain stupid. So, um, but of course, we have those... Uh, those um, cases out there too. So try to build bridges, try to connect with people. But unless you have a sincere interest, people, people sense that. People are very clever in distinguishing someone who has a sincere interest in what you do, John, or is just trying to be smart because he learned by the book that that's, that's a better way of uh, getting his way or his or her way. So now I used a few um, attributes but the ideal team, I think a diverse team helps, of course, having the diverse talents and um, be humble, absolutely. Um, be a learner um, and um, yes, listening more than you speak. So I, I disrespected that rule in our conversation, but uh, hope you... No, you're you're welcome my, to my... do that here because actually it's it's about you. So that, that I mean that's a great summary. You know, intelligence, energy, integrity, curiosity. Couldn't couldn't agree more with all of those. Relationship builder, 
curiosity, you know, just a side note. Someone asked me recently, what, what is the most important uh, aspect for an internal auditor? And to me, I, I think it's curiosity. Uh, relationship builder, I think it's a close second. Uh, but just the curiosity of like being willing to ask more, not being satisfied with, you know, just surface level information. So I, I think that's a great list, Dr. Reiner. So, um, well, I, 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 empathy, I think, John, John, I think empathy is a good, good term, I guess, you know, so. Uh, so absolutely. Yeah. 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 There, there are many attributes. So, uh, well, I really appreciate your time today, Dr. Reiner. Uh, I know we're going a little bit over here, what we originally planned to, but it's all good because it's a, it was a good conversation. So I appreciate your time today. Uh, and I guess just to close, if anyone is interested in, uh, well, I'll include the link of the article uh, when I when I post this episode. Uh, it will be in the notes section uh, in the podcast, so people will be able to access. If people have further questions about the article or about what we talked about today, what's the best way for them to connect with you? I guess best by email, and there is an email um, at the bottom of the article. And so people can contact me uh, via that email address. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Reiner. I thank you for the opportunity and uh, wish you a lovely rest of your day. You know. You too. And next time we meet, uh, John, hopefully um, before too long, uh, all drinks on me. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs>